0: Agency X podcast episode 4. Today we're talking about Gen Z buying habits as well as customer experience and uh, voice technology. All right so um, Gen Z let's talk about it.
1: I mean I I don't care that much about like Gen Z or Gen Y or millennials like in if terms of like like what we focus on I uh, I don't know if you feel the same way but I I've, I've never like cared about like targeting specific groups of people although I can see why brands would
0: Yeah absolutely I can see why brands would but I think a lot of brands are also obsessed with like separating millennials and Gen Z and baby boomers when like that line is so blurred like I was born in 1981, so like I fall like right on the line between being a millennial and being Gen X, right? But I don't really consider myself either of those. I don't know, you know, I, I think it's like grouping so many people into a generation and then like defining them what their buying habits are or what it is. I think it's just the, the, the newer people who are coming of age and starting to, to, to buy on e-commerce or be, become – more of brands' customers, they definitely need to think about them. Think about the future um, of their brand and 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 who they're they're um, catering to. Um, so it's definitely important for brands, uh, but I don't think they should overthink it so much. Where it's like, you know, we hear things like brands will reach out to us and say, um, you know, we 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 want to be we want to be able to target Gen Gen Z. We want to target Gen Z. We want to target millennials. We want to be a millennial brand, like. What does that really mean? Like, what's the metric for that? Like, how are we measuring that? How would we know we succeeded if, you know, you're properly targeting Generation Z or Millennials, you know?
1: Sure. But those age groups and the names they're given. So let's talk about the names for a second. The names are convenient. Like, that's why they give people labels. They Millennials and Gen Zers. It's in order to... for It's a good way for the media and for, you know, brands to give a name to a target market or to a persona group when it really doesn't matter, you know, what they're called. I mean, every generation will have a different, you know, attitudes, opinions, beliefs, uh, and whatnot for that kind of thing. Like the example that I was literally just telling Asha, uh, was that, you know, who Eileen Fisher is, right? No idea. Eileen Fisher is a brand. They they sell like clothes. I, okay. I don't know how big they are, but I uh, I assume they're somewhat big.
0: Okay, I thought it was a person. Maybe it is a person. It is a person. Okay. So Eileen Fisher <laughs> is
1: a person, but it's also a brand. I can't tell if you're kidding or not. I don't I don't know who they
0: are. You really don't. I really don't. I should. We do a lot of fashion work. I, I, thought, I know a lot about fashion. I thought I, I thought know. you were
1: doing a bit. You're not. You act-
0: I'm not doing a bit. I just don't know who they are.
1: Oh my God, they're mad! Mass- You've heard of Lululemon though, right? Of course, Lululemon. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't know who they. I'm was. I'm gonna look them up. I gotta. Check I out. didn't know who Lululemon was till like two weeks ago. So <laughs> it, you know, everything's relative. But so a few years ago, their biggest market was older women of like varying like shapes and sizes. Like they sold clothing that was very appealing to like plus size women. Like, it made them look really good, and it was cut, like, you know, for their, like, particular bodies. But then they realized that, like, the dangers of that. Because Eileen Fisher is very... I don't know if they're an old brand, but they've been around for a while. Okay. And they the people they started serving were probably in their 30s or 40s. And instead of continuing that targeting, like, they didn't stay with 30s or 40s. They instead just kept serving their aging customer base. So instead of doing like, I guess, demographic-based targeting, they took that main core market and they just stayed with them as they aged and matured. So they had to make a choice. Should they continue to serve that market and risk uh, you know, irrelevance and extinction over well, time. Yeah,
0: they're going to eventually run out of that market because they won't be around anymore.
1: Right, because even if the current, like, 22 to 30-year-olds are buying, you know, even, as they age, when they become that mature market, they're so different from the current mature market that they probably won't even be shopping, uh, shopping at Eileen Fisher. So they decided to do a 180 and target, you know, make clothes for like younger women. They changed all their marketing and all their styles to appeal to, you know, uh, like millennials and Gen Xers and, you know, the models they use rather than ordinary looking people or plus size women. They went with like, you know, they went with like, you know, you know, fashion models and that very much alienated the core market. Uh, I think they've since done things to appease both markets now, but at the time it was just a huge, like hard left turn. And while I think they shouldn't have done, done that, like I think they should have eased into it more. I think what they did was the right decision because they had to, you know, they need to serve other groups because if you have an aging market and it's not a commodity, uh, like then, like no matter who you are, there's always going to be a market for dentures. Like, I may be a consumer I may be a consumer of dentures one day, but Eileen Fisher brand clothing, it's not a commodity. So it's not tied to a specific age group. So yeah, closely. so they have to
0: build brand awareness. They have to build brand loyalty. They need to be able to shift and do things like that like most other brands that need to survive in, in, in a changing landscape.
1: Right. And the point is it doesn't matter if they were millennials or gen zers or whoever else they were trying to target because if you get away from the label there are groups of people that are very different. I would say there's not that much difference between a millennial and a gen zer, but there's definitely some differences between you know people my age and people your age in terms of buying habits. And who knows the 22-year-olds of 20 years from now? they'll probably be very different than me and you. Well, yeah, I mean I mean you
0: and I think that's where that fine line is because like someone who's considered Gen X, right? Or Gen Z rather, could be 25, right? And they could also be 18. My buying habits from 18 to 25 were drastically different just just like my buying habits from even 30 to 35 were drastically different. And like technically I'm on that, like I said before, I'm on that line where I could be Gen X or a millennial, um, you know? So like w- what's the difference there? You know, like is it a couple years that makes a difference? So I, I mean I think it's kind of grouping that whole generation where it doesn't make so much sense. But I think there are some actionable things brands could start doing and, and to pay attention to what Gen X um, the Gen X generation cares about. And some of those things that I've noticed and, and that I see becoming a bigger trend are going to be, well, Gen X cares a lot about things like sustainability. Millennials did too. And they still do. And they, you yeah, I, know, do. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. As do I. Um, but I think it's becoming more and more important to them. Other things that are becoming more important are the experience is more important than the price. So the experience that they have, whether it's online or offline, or that brand experience that they're getting out of this when they engage with a brand, is more important to them than it has been to, to customers now than it has been in the past. That's the explosion of D 2 C. That's the explosion of digitally native brands. Um, and you know, Gen X is also—I'm sorry—I keep saying Gen X, but Gen Z is—is um, is, ha- there's been studies or or like they've been polled. And they do still enjoy going into retail locations, like on site. Maybe it's a pop-up, but they're buying online. So a lot of times they like to go into the store, touch, and feel something. But that's not so much different than older shoppers as well. So, I mean, I think that they're just like, you know, this new generation comes in, and maybe like, you know, they're fine-tuning certain things. But I think people overthink it so much because like, People loved going into retail locations. I think they're still and always going to go into retail locations. There are certain types of products that you need to touch and feel before you make a purchase. Um, But those things can transition into like, how does that transition to online? So, One thing brands can do is be a little bit more competitive with the offerings that you have, whether it's regarding shipping or returns. If it's, you know, a big thing is buying two or three things in different sizes or styles, being able to try it on and then returning it. Little things like that can keep that brand loyalty with this with 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 these younger shoppers because they care about that experience. They want the in-store experience. If you're a digitally native brand, maybe you can't offer that yet, but you can do it online where you're able to, you know, um, give them some incentives. Um, recommend products to them that have value. So that one-to-one personalization, being able to personalize products and communications to that customer is going to keep brand loyalty with with Gen Z. Uh, So I think that's insanely important for brands to focus on now
1: sure and but at the same time like yeah who doesn't like personalization and exactly. who doesn't like to say like oh yeah gen z they like to shop in store but it's more convenient to shop online it's like saying water is wet because yeah of course it's for
0: everyone yeah exactly and you, you know i i think from what everyone is speaking about and like everyone's obsessed with these different generations that's why i'm um, you know i i enjoy talking about this stuff and i and i think that it's important for brands to focus on the new Their new customers that are coming into that that are going to start spending money, but they shouldn't obsess over it. I think what they should obsess over, regardless, is providing a great customer experience end to end at every single touch point for all of their customers.
1: Yeah, and I think they have to realize what works and what doesn't work because there is just certain things that different groups of people will be more attuned to in terms of like promotions and deals and sales and you know, all these different like marketing efforts. Because from what I read, uh, one of the things I read, and it's very likely we've read the same studies because they're probably what was the first search results on Google for what are Gen Z buying habits. But the whole thing about, uh, they'd, uh, they'd rather have like everyday low prices versus having a sale.
0: Yeah. I did not know that. And
1: I think that
0: depending on the brand, um, you know, sales can diminish their, their, just the way people look at their brand. Sales to, I think even to me, when I see something on sale, I feel like maybe because I'm in the industry, I feel like the brand is trying to get rid of stuff that no one was <laughs> buying, you
1: know? Um, so very, if it, very much so There's was a, they recently had a, uh, valve recently had a sale on the, not so popular steam controller, the controller originally retailed for like 50 bucks and they were selling them for five bucks because they were no longer making them anymore. They were very (laughs) honest about that though. Hey, we're trying to clear inventory. Here's this controller for five bucks, but it's like almost 90% over 90% off. So yeah, no one complained about no, but
0: it probably wasn't a a valuable, you know, piece of valuable product.
1: But, you know, I I think you're right. I
0: think, um, you know, I think we're going to, I would say that's, you know, sales will still be around. If you looked at Black Friday, Cyber Monday, a lot of people were complaining. Not only is this this new holiday shopping used to be Black Friday, and then it was Cyber Monday, right? Now it's like the week before Black Friday. There's sales, sales, sales leading up to Black Friday, through the weekend, up until Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're getting emails. That say extended sale, extended sale, extended sale. Like it doesn't mean anything for your brand. Like what? Are you, what are you really trying to do? How are you trying to maximize sales so much? So I think, you know, sales and this whole like Black Friday thing. I think it's it's going to be it's going to always be huge. But I think the brands that take a step back and don't run two week long sales are going to be brands that last longer. So I could see that 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 makes sense. That you know, um, Gen uh, Z doesn't love. You know they prefer lower prices all year round rather than sales.
1: Yeah, because they've lost their value, that, yeah. and that's really ties back to what you said just previously. Was that I won't say that consumers are getting smarter, but I will say they're getting more aware faster. So it's easier for them to see what's deceptive and what's not. They're like they're. It's easier to pick out what's really a sale and what's just an attempt to you know, make the price more reasonable because these prices are inflated anyway and they're just trying to get rid of inventory.
0: Yeah. And I guess it depends on who you're buying from because one thing I've noticed more and more, especially buying from Amazon and understanding, you know, e-commerce and drop shipping and all of that stuff, like it's so easy to spot like the drop shippers on Amazon and that I'm like, I know that this product isn't $30. I know you buying it for for five bucks or 10 bucks or something like that. And I could see it's the same product over and over again with a different sticker slapped on it. And I feel like that just, I mean, for, you know, commodity type things, things I don't really care about buying from a brand about like that. But I feel like those will always have sales. Those will always be on, on the Amazons of the world. That, that will be where people get those products that's, from. That's
1: fine because it's Amazon. That's yeah, why you're going on there. Exactly. But if you're like a brand, it's a little bit different because, all right. Let's say one of the popular things in the jewelry industry is to have like every product on sale or at a discount. When you ha- when everything's on sale, nothing's on sale, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, exactly. It just looks like a flea market.
1: Right. Yeah. But another thing too about Gen Z is that they actually tend to be less brand loyal than like other groups. Uh, one of the reasons for this are that they think is attributed to this is that a lot of the a lot of kids grew up during like the two thousand seven recession where they saw how their parents' behavior, like spending behavior was. So they took that hmm, they they took that for themselves. And so now they're a little bit more price conscious, uh, younger than ever. Like they hmm. may be as price they'll conscious hunt around. Yeah. They'll hunt around a lot yeah. more. And in general, they don't care about like the brand as much. Like loyalty programs and rewards and coupons and these other things don't work as well with younger groups of people than they yeah. used to. And I won't even say Gen Z. I, I will probably lump in anyone. Honestly, if you're 20 to 30, it's probably similar in terms of their feelings. Yeah.
0: That. I would even say more than that. I would even say 30 to 40. I don't think people are signing up for loyalty programs, you know, for certain brands. It depends on the brand. Like there are certain brands that I love that if they had some sort of loyalty thing i and it was easy to opt in i'd be like yeah sure i order from i know i'm going to order from them all like buck mason i have like tons of stuff from buck mason i'll probably buy their t-shirts all like until they go out of business just because they're you know america u.s made they're good quality they're you know more sustainable it's like you know i love the product they i I buy black t-shirts from them that's all Primarily, most of the things that I wear. So, like you know, I, I, I if they had some sort of loyalty, I would sign up for that. But I, I mean, I understand. Like most people are not, you know, especially younger might not be as brand loyal. Um, and one thing I, I that I read and I thought was really interesting was that Gen Z does not wear mind, shoes. Wear shoes?
1: They don't oh. wear shoes anymore. Really? <laughs> or are you gonna? That's say? a new.
0: Th- I didn't know that. Oh, that's a that's a new trend. No, what I'm saying is they uh, don't mind um, ads as much as previous yeah, or older. They generation. even like it for things they looked at. Yeah, before. as long as it's providing value. So as long as it's providing value, and I can relate to that. I mean, I don't mind seeing an ad that's going to provide value. That's been like, hey, I do like that. But you know, there's the ones that just keep retargeting, retargeting you just because you checked out the site once, and you know. If it's not providing value and it's just putting stuff back in your face, I that I hate. But if it's providing value, if it's informative, if it's supporting and guiding you down some kind of you know journey and it's a brand experience, that I see working. And that is something I think brands need to focus on too. It's not just retargeting ads that are just like, hey, did you look this product? Did you leave this in the cart? I mean, they know they left it in the cart. No, most people don't like just... I mean I feel like retargeting does work. It has a good return on investment. But like, you know, let's get a little bit more creative. Like maybe it's like serving them in like lifestyle type content or you know, editorial content or advice or styling guidance or something that's gonna in, like help them through their buying journey or help something that's going to provide some value and maybe you don't make the sale a week or two, maybe make the sale six months from now when, you know, they you've built some some brand, you know, loyalty with them or you built you know, some more interest. So I think that that, that's going to be big in the next few years is, is not just for Gen um, Z is going to be for everyone is not just the customer experience, but also getting a little bit more creative with ads, especially on like Facebook and Instagram and not just shoving product in their face.
1: Yeah. And I'd say some advice I'd give for brands trying to appeal to younger groups over social media is don't pander I uh, like you've, you, I've mentioned these before, but you know, like the purple ads, right? The, they're pretty funny. Uh, with the puppies and stuff. No, no, no. Per, like purple mattress. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're pretty like, their ads are pretty humorous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever since I've seen that ad, I've seen so many, uh, companies make ads with that same style of like humor. And the issue is, is that it just comes off as. Derivative and pandering, and it's like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're trying to appeal to people my age, but you don't really understand what you're saying. Like, you may, yeah, it's not authentic. You you may, you may say yeet, but you don't feel yeet. Yeah, do you know what that is? No, okay, uh, (laughs) exactly.
0: Well, I I mean, I don't know what I don't think anyone knows what you're talking about.
1: Yeet, do you know what yeet is? What.
0: Yeah, we're gonna cut all of this out. No, we're no, <laughs> no, we're not. What the hell is
1: yeet? No, we're not. You don't know what yeet is? Yeet? Like I'm gonna yeet out of here. I'm gonna leave.
0: Is that a, a real word? Yeah,
1: okay. it's a. Th- Yo, what, who am I talking to here? Is it like a slang term? Yeah. I've never heard Y'all don't never know heard Gen T- Gen Z slang?
0: No. Oh yeah. I'm I'm 38. I, I mean I'm lo- I am I'm, I'm I definitely don't. I have no idea what yeet is. Is, is it like wheat? Is it gluten free? Is there gluten in it? If there's gluten in it, we know a lot of people aren't 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 eating it. Is it food?
1: Gen Zers also are not reading nutrition labels as heavily as even millennials or older generations. They should are. be. They should be. Mm, they should a- be. Apparently, according to studies, they're reading a lot less. Like, they're not reading as much in terms of, like, product packaging labels. Like, they don't notice it as much. Or they don't care about or focus on it as much.
0: They should be because there's a lot of crap in food. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but... Lots of crap.
1: Yeah, but of course they should be. But, you know. Let's talk about, let's talk about voice. I... Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about
0: voice. I don't know shit about voice either. I don't use voice. I don't believe in voice. I don't think it's the future. I think that it's, there's a lot of hype around it. I think people are going to use it for day-to-day things, but I mean, I would never in a million years use voice to like, you know, for anything. I don't think it's going to over, I don't think it's going to overtake mobile phones. And I don't think people are going to be, wa- not in, in the next decade, people aren't going to be walking around using voice for everything
1: it's hard to say though because as of right now the voice technology sucks so we don't know real the real potential of it but voice could get to a point where it becomes so organic that it's a no-brainer to use and it just becomes a part of our everyday life especially as phone the smartphones aren't going to be there here forever something is going to replace them either they're peripheral or there's some kind of augmentation i don't know but i think you know voice will eventually you know, become like the next thing at a point, because, you know, there was a time where no one thought touchscreens would ever work because touchscreens in the eighties and nineties were awful. But then Apple came out with the first iPhone, or actually they came out with the iPod touch. And that really introduced what a touchscreen could and should be. Yeah, absolutely. I think
0: that the technology needed to improve there, but you weren't with voice. You're actually, you're changing people, the way people interact on a much deeper level, like people were texting and then right. You're, they're used to doing this motion and then it became touch and they're, you know, switching, switching up a little bit, but like, look at Google glass that tried to introduce fashion and changing what people are seeing. And I, I see voice working for like utility stuff, like text to speech or like asking Alexa what time it is or what, you know, the weather is or asking Siri a quick question, things like that. But like, how does that transition into like e-commerce? I mean, you can't if you can't see anything if you're just speaking to it. Like, I, I I totally believe for like home use of like turn on the TV, put on and start Hulu, or like you know turn on the lights, turn off lights. I have that now. That technology exists, and that's what I use it for. I mean, what else could it be applied to? I, I don't know. I don't think it. I think text to speech is great. I think that'll work. But like, how is that going to transition into like e-commerce? I only for commodities. You know, like we were saying earlier, like we were speaking offline, I could imagine I, I ordered like, you know, I'll tell Amazon to reorder coffee and toilet paper, but I'm not going to be like, hey, order me the new rag and bone chinos for $350. I don't need to see it. I don't need to know what it looks like on a model. Just order it because I use my speech, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: So let me give you the scenario of how I personally would use voice for e-commerce. And this is not something that has any possible capabilities right now, and I would not know how it worked. But let's say you go on a website, right? Let's say we went on Wolf and Shepherd, and you, know, you go on to it on whatever screen it is. Let's say it's a a hollow screen, uh, and it shows you're on the landing page or on the homepage for Wolf and Shepherd, and you talk to it, and you say... Show me show me red shoes in a size nine, and it would take you to some kind of landing page or a product page that met the, you know, verbal search query that you made. That's how I would personally. That's the only way I would personally use a lot any for voice for e commerce is in that way. Again, impossible right now. I don't know how it would work. Well, it's kind uh, of yeah.
0: possible. And I, look, here's the thing: like I could pick up my phone, and go to Google, and say Wolf and Shepherd shoes size 9 and it's going to search and it's going to pull up the first search results I guarantee it will be Wolf and Shepherd's red shoes in a size 9 that I could just tap on. So technically you can do that on a website. I mean, yeah, that's possible. It is the technology is kind of there, but like the thing is is like if someone comes to a website it's going to be easier to just like click on shop shoes and then you're there than it is to speak it. And then what happens when it doesn't understand you and it makes a mistake? I do think that there's a place for this it. Is
1: maybe 20 years from now, it'll maybe, be different.
0: I think, tw- I mean, 20 years from now, they're going to be a lot more different than speech. I think speech will just be a me- like natural way of doing things. Like I think when I wake up in the morning of like right now, I can't tell my alarm to stop even if it's on my phone. But if I could say, you know, Snooze my alarm. Alarm five minutes. That would be cool. If I walk out of bed, you know, turn on the lights. I can do that. You know, it would be great if I could. Can it make me an espresso in the morning? No, it can't. Actually, I set it up ahead of time, and
1: then you can set. Actually, there are some things where you can set it up, and you can actually press the button.
0: Hmm. How does it press the button? Because I got a, I got a, I got a machine that you know you have to grind it, lock it in, press the button. So I don't know how Voice is going to do that. This
1: is not an endorsement for this product, but it is called Mugsy. And it was created by a former uh, Amazon engineer who left Amazon because he actually was bored working there. Uh, He's very smart. um, And I happen to actually know him. But he created this coffee maker that uses like a Raspberry Pi and you can actually build it yourself. He gives you all the parts for it. And you can set and schedule it up to have it make you coffee in the morning. You could message it on Slack or Twitter or any other way of communication saying, Hey, make me coffee tomorrow at 8am and it will do it. And as long as you, it has like the beans in it. And as long as, you that's know, pretty cool. yeah. And that's there now. And so, that is there now. So there are certain things that we can do.
0: Yeah. But that's like a, 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 again, that's like a utility thing. That's like an everyday thing. I see it working there. I see it, you know, turn on the TV, go to this channel. Um, I see it, you know, order me more coffee from that. I've already ordered before on Amazon. I do see those things working. Um, I'd love to be able to, you know, just go to my watch. Like I think it needs to integrate more into other apps and services. So if I'm able to just go on my, my smartwatch and say, you know, order me a Starbucks, order me the regular, you know, my, my usual from Starbucks while I'm on the bus. And then it orders it for me and I could just pick it up. That would be great. Things like that. But right now I have to open the app. I have to look at it. I have to go. There probably is a Siri shortcut to really set that up maybe. But it doesn't work seamlessly now. Five, ten years, all of that I think is going to be very seamless. So I think it is going to be integrated in our lives. But I don't think it's going to be as... I don't think it's going to completely replace search. I don't think it's going to completely replace the devices that we use. You know, we're still going to be using laptops and tablets and smartphones. Voice is just going to, going to become more integrated. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be as big as what a lot of people think it's going to
1: be. Correct. And I think the way, because a lot of people ask, oh, how do you rank for voice SEO there's no such thing as voice SEO the only when you're talking to like a Google home and you're asking it a question like uh, like what are shoe brands or something it's just going to use whatever's ranking, organically on Google anyway. So the real answer to how do you rank on voice SEO, just do the normal SEO best practices. Make sure you have meta descriptions, H1 tags and alt text, you know, make sure you have like rich relevant content because that's, Because that's how you do it. Like there's no voice specific thing you have to do. You have to make sure the website's accessible because think about it. If a screen reader can't read a website, then voice may have a hard time finding it.
0: Yeah, and I think even more important than SEO is that, you know, building brand awareness and building brand is very important. Well, yeah, because then people will ask for something specifically. So when someone asks for, you know, find me men's shoes, you know, instead of trying to compete with whatever Amazon is throwing to the top of their search results or what Google is, um, you know, you want someone to say, you know, if it's wolf and she, I want to see wolf and shepherd shoes. I want to see Nike sneakers. I want to see, um, you know, wh- whatever they're looking for by the brand name. So building that brand loyalty and the and the, and the brand, um, just building brand in general is, is going to be that's always important. Yeah, it's, especially it's almost boys. like
1: the most important thing. Like if if people are finding your site because they're searching your you know branded keywords on Google to get to you that's a really good indicator because then people are looking for you specifically they want to find you
0: exactly i think at the end of the day a takeaway from both topics that we spoke about today whether it's gen z millennials gen y voice ar
1: voice ar anything, AR, anything
0: i think the biggest takeaways are are building brand you know building brand having a great brand experience um, having a seamless user experience um, online and offline if you have a pop-up um, whatever communications you're using, that end to end, all of those touch points uh, need to be optimized. And I think that's important. I think everything that we end up talking about here always circles back always to circles, customer it, experience. It's
1: basically, it's basically just don't be dumb. I don't yeah, know.
0: just well, yeah, and also just you know keep your customers, you know at the forefront. Think about your customers, be customer first. That's the approach we take. Yeah, um we try to think about the customer first. Um, and I think that's going to prove the, the biggest ROI that's going to pay dividends over, over years to come. Um, with that.
1: All right, cool. I think we can end it here. Thanks yeah. for anyone Thanks for everyone who listened in and tune in next time. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much.